Let's turn our Bibles to Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I was watching a uh, TV drama the other day before I went to bed, and it was kind of a sad program. It was a program about the dangerous life of gangs and drugs and inner city life that many people face in New York City and, and all the devastation that goes along with that. But at the end of the TV show, there was this teenage boy whose story had been followed kind of throughout the program. I won't be able to share the whole storyline with you, but I'll just summarize it by saying, after having just lost the one person in his life who cared enough to try to help him get out of that situation, you could see the pain in that young man's face that so many people face with that life day after day. But just as the program was ending, a police officer walked up to that young man, a young man that he had only just met, He saw that hurt, he saw that fear, he saw that anger in that teenage boy's eyes, and before he left him, he handed that young man a slip of paper. He said this, If you ever need anything, here's my cell and here's my office number. No one can make it alone. If you ever need me, call me. You know, there are a lot of things about that story that really kind of gripped me that night. The devastation that people, did you know every day, all day, people all over our country are going through the devastating effects of this world, of the choices and of the problems and the difficulties, whether it's broken families or drugs or financial struggles, every day. And I don't know what it was about that night. It just grabbed my attention to think about how far sin and how far this world and the mess of this world has broken so many lives. But that statement at the end of the program really caught my attention. How amazing that a police officer who sees things like that probably every day, especially in New York City, would share with a hurting young man, I know you just lost your only support, but I want you to know you don't have to try to make it out of this mess on your own. I will be here for you. That was a powerful reminder to me of what we're going to talk about today. On our own, this world can get very messy. On our own, this world can be very painful. But there is someone who reaches down to us and he offers to help us get out of our mess. If we're willing to receive help, if we're willing to receive God's help, friends, I've got good news for you today. We can make it. We can be rescued. The word that we use many times in church is we can be saved. But it just means to be rescued, to be delivered. God can rescue us from our sins. He can rescue us from death. He can rescue us from from the pain and struggles that this world brings to us. That's why we're going to turn to Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. You see, as we look at Galatians chapter 5, as we turn there, we notice a decision that the Bible teaches us that we have in life. Listen, we can decide, if I want to, I can live my life in my own strength, which, by the way, if I can give you a little parenthesis, even that's a lie, isn't it? (laughs) I don't have any strength unless God gives it to me. But you understand the sense in which I'm saying, I can attempt to live life apart from honoring God or listening to Him or walking with Him or being led by Him. Or we can live our life through the power of God's Holy Spirit living in our lives. In Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21, we talked about What happens to our lives when we try to live them in our own strength? If I could just put a synopsis on that is they get into a big mess. Amen? How many of us here today 
have ever tried to live your life without God? <laughs> All of us, right? All of us at some point. Last time, though, we began to look at Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23, because it's in those verses we find out what it can be like. In fact, not just can be like, what it will be like. If we allow God to control our life, here is the fruit. Here is what would come out of our life. Because when God lives in us, what comes out of us? His character, right? If God is living in me, then he's going to show forth in my life and the fruit of his character is going to show in my life to some degree. The first four fruits we talked about before are love, joy, peace, and patience. This time we want to look at three more. Let's read these verses to kind of review where we're at here. Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit... Now remember, we've talked about the works of the flesh. Now the flesh is basically just a descriptive word to say what we can do in our own efforts. We saw that. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. What can God produce? What can God do in my life? First of all, God can produce. Today, we want to look at the, four, the fifth one there. God can produce kindness. When God works in our lives, His Spirit will produce kindness in us. Now, when you think of the word kindness, what comes to mind? What would you mean if you said that person is a very kind person? Well, if we use that statement, we'd probably mean that they're friendly, that they're considerate, or that they give preferential treatment to other people. We might think of the words polite, or we might think of the words courteous, of someone who's caring or tender towards other people. In fact, in the Bible, it refers to being tender-hearted, to dealing with others gently and not harshly. I love one of my favorite verses is Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. It's interesting that Paul mentions this to the Galatians. Just a few verses earlier in Galatians, in Galatians 5.15, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. <laughs> Here's a group of people that are pretty harsh with each other. They're barking, rawr, biting one another, devouring Chewing, we would say chewing up and spitting out, right? That doesn't sound very kind, does it? That's not very nice, we might say. God's talking to people like that who were pretty harsh. This was a church family even that needed to learn some kindness, some graciousness, some being nice to people. And did you notice in verses 32 of Ephesians 4 that we just read, one of the primary reasons that we should be kind to one another is because of the kindness that God has extended towards us. It's amazing, as I begin to study God's Word, how much kindness is emphasized in God's Word, how much mercy, how much showing graciousness to other people because of what God has shown to us. Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and following says, But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, 
by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Do you see how much God has done for us? And you get in those verses that, that he did it and we didn't deserve it. It wasn't that we earned it. Now, it's not to say that God didn't love us. If he didn't love us, he wouldn't have done it for us. He loved us very much. He valued us very much. But in our previous condition apart from Christ, we didn't deserve that. But God extended kindness to us. You know, so many people have the idea that uh, God is kind of uh, mean-spirited or, 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 or mad at us or kind of down on us or he wants to put his thumb on us. You know what Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says? Did you not know that the kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. The kindness of God. He shows me grace and he shows me mercy. He's not looking to say, aha, I got you. <laughs> I'm going to stomp you now. You know, people have this uh, idea of God. He's up in heaven. He's got his six shooters. He's got, yeah, I got more ammo in my belt. And you go ahead and try something. Wham! I'm going to nail you. No, it's the kindness of God that leads us to want to change, isn't it? The kindness of God leads us to repentance. Micah chapter 6, uh, verse 8 in the Old Testament tells us, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The Bible says that God has shown kindness towards us, and He expects us to extend that kindness that He's shown to us to other people. If I could paraphrase what one Bible commentator says, he says that we cannot interpret this word kindly, correctly, if we just picture it as merely having those meanings that we usually connect with kindness. In other words, we talked about polite and courteous. You know, so you might just say, well, somebody's kind. They're polite. They're courteous. They're nice to other people. He said, no, in the New Testament, it is best understood. All these qualities are best understood if they're understood as originating in a person who has experienced kindness from God. So when you read about kindness in the Bible, when God talks about kindness, it has a slant always. It kind of has a backing behind it always of it's a kindness to others out of response for a kindness that we've experienced from God. So we're not just saying be nice or be kind. It's be kind or show kindness because we've experienced kindness from the Lord ourselves. You know, as I said just a moment ago, I was amazed as I studied these verses. I don't know if I've ever really noticed before how much kindness is emphasized in God's Word. I've told you before that there's an Old Testament word that's very similar. Many of you are aware of that in the New Testament, there's a word for love called agape love. It's the word that means God's love, His unconditional love for us. But many people don't realize there's an Old Testament word, and that word in the Hebrew is kesed. That is comparable to the, to the New Testament word agape, the unconditional love of God. I found at least 240 instances of that word in the Old Testament. Many times, if you're looking at different translations, that word is translated mercy, it's translated loving kindness, it's translated steadfast love. So I want to challenge you, as you're reading your Old Testament, especially I found a lot of them in the Psalms, as you're reading the Old Testament, when you see the word mercy, when you see the word loving kindness, when you see the word the steadfast love of the Lord, that probably is that word kessed. Did you know that it's one of the most important words in the Old Testament? But did you also know that many times it is translated with the English word kindness? What are we getting at? Don't miss it. 
Are you getting the image of God in your mind that the Bible is trying to teach us? Though many people think God is harsh or mean or critical or or ready to squash us when we fall, the Bible says that one of the most critical characteristics of God is that He shows kindness. He wants us to experience it, and He wants us to extend it to others. Many times, it's hard to find a kind person, isn't it? Have you ever noticed that? I mean, even as I was preparing for this message, I went home for lunch, and we got a bill in the mail. And I said, we shouldn't have got this bill. And so I call, (laughs) yeah, right, customer service. (laughs) I called customer service, and the lady gave me the impression. She was short. She was to the point. She gave me the impression, buddy, you know what I do with issues like this? I get in real quick. I get out real quick. I get off the phone, and I move on to the next guy. I didn't really feel like that lady cared for me or cared about my situation or cared about my struggle or, the, or the, the misunderstanding that had been made there that would potentially put me as looking bad as not paying my bills. She wasn't really mean, but she wasn't especially what? Kind. What about you? Have you experienced the kindness of God? Don't you think about that for just a minute. Have you experienced the kindness of God? Maybe you would say, no, Robbie, I really haven't, to be honest with you. I have never even known that God was kind. I always had that image. I went to a church where they said, man, God is so mad at you. He's going to, you know. Now, the Bible says that God is not light on sin, that God takes sin seriously, and that God judges sin. And that his wrath will be poured out on sin. Now, we don't, need to, we don't need to misunderstand that. But I thank God that he made a way for us to escape that. And we don't have to face that. He doesn't want us to face that. We will if we don't have Christ. But God has extended his mercy towards us. He said, listen, uh, he's, he's out in the, the life-saving boat and we're out there drowning. And he says, yeah, you're going to drown if you stay like that. But here, here's the life preserver. He sent Jesus to be our Savior. God showed his kindness toward us. If somebody did that for you, you were out in the middle of a lake and you were drowning, somebody threw you a life preserver, a lifeboat, you'd say, thank you so much for your kindness. What is your name? What can I do for you? How can I, how can I be a blessing to you? Won't we say that? God has been kind to us. If you're here today and you've never experienced the kindness of God, he is offering that to you, friend. The only thing that's standing in the way of that is you just freely receiving the gift that God is offering. Have you experienced it? And are you extending it to others? God warns us about receiving mercy and not extending mercy. Go back and look at Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. Let me ask you a question. Would people describe you? Now, just think, honestly, just ask yourself the general tone of my life. Would people describe me as kind or would they describe me as kind of harsh? Would people describe me as welcoming or would they describe me as generally abrasive or judgmental or critical? The Bible says that if God himself is working in my life, he is going to produce kindness in me. The second thing, though, is God can produce goodness. Again, we have an important word, although it's uh, a little bit difficult to define. So I'll start by using goodness or good in a sentence. You may have heard your grandparents use this. I remember my grandparents used to say, he's a good man. You ever heard that? He's a good man. When they said that, what did they mean by goodness? Well, many times what they meant was he was genuine. He was the real deal. 
What they were saying, and no testimonies from ladies here, okay? When you're looking for men, sometimes you find good ones. Sometimes you find bad ones. No amens, ladies, all right? <laughs> a good one is a real one. A good one is an authentic one. It's one as it should be. If you're picking fruit, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a good one. I'm looking for one that, that's just right, that's ripened, that's, that's going to taste like it's supposed to. Many times when my grandparents would say someone was a good man, you'd also get the idea that, that they were saying about this guy that he was helpful to other people. A good man is a man who makes a difference in the lives of others, somebody who contributes to the well-being of others. It could even be taken to the point of saying he's generous or he's benevolent. He's a good man. He's the kind of guy that makes other people's lives better. That's the way the word was used in Matthew chapter 20, verse 15, when it describes Jesus and his generosity in paying his servants. He's described as good, as generous. Those are probably the senses that we should take them from the root word that's used in the New Testament here in this passage. The fruit of God's Spirit. Listen, if God is working in my life, I'll be authentic. I'll be the real deal. I'll not be looking good on the outside, but tainted or spoiled on the inside. And I'll have a a generosity about me, a benevolence about me, the kind of attitude that wants to help other people. That's what the Bible says I'll be like when I'm walking in God's Spirit, when I'm walking in His light. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10 says, Therefore, it's talking about the world, do not be partakers with the world, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light, you hear again the fruit? Now, here it's talking about God in terms of light. In comparison, light and darkness. God is light. For the fruit of the light, the fruit of God working in us, consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. So the question is, could people describe you as a good man? Could people describe you as a good lady? One that is real, one that is through and through, one that is a help or a benefit to other people? Or would people maybe describe you as hypocritical? You're one way, one place, and on the outside maybe, but deep inside you're somebody else. Or maybe you're not generous, maybe you're uh, self-focused. You know, maybe that's why goodness is put after kindness. Don't we sometimes pretend to be nice to other people? (laughs) Don't we sometimes pretend to be kind to other people? And then we turn around and we say, I, was, I saw somebody the other day that somebody walked up and, well, actually when they were walking up, uh, they said something about the other person. And then when the other person walked up, they act like they were their best friend in the world. And then when that person walked off, they said something about them again. That's not good, is it? That's what we'd say. That's not good. I tell my kids, that's not good. There's something not right about that. That's not genuine. That's hypocritical. Is that the way we are? God says, if he's working in my life, I'll be good. I'll be real. I'll be authentic. I won't be hypocritical. And I'll be focused on others, not myself. And number three, God can produce faithfulness. The fruit of God's Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. You know, I had forgotten until I studied this again that the word that is used here is the word that actually is usually translated just faith. In fact, if you're looking at the King James Version, that's how it's translated here. This word can be translated in several ways. It can be translated faith in the sense of I have faith, which means I believe in God or I trust in Him. 
Or it can be translated in the sense of the faith, where we might say we are a part of what? We're a part of the faith. We're a part of those people who have accepted that body of truth that God has revealed about himself in his word. So it can be that sense, or it can mean faithfulness. The quality, now the difference is not something that, that I have, but it's something that I am. That others can trust me, that I'm reliable, that I'm trustworthy, dependable, or loyal. Now, because of the context here, what, what this is saying is, here's the kind of qualities God would have, and if this were you, if God were living it out in your life, here's the kind of qualities you would have. I believe that probably the best translation here is faithfulness. When God works in our lives, we will demonstrate faithfulness. Now, I just can be kind of honest with you. For several reasons, this is one of the most important fruits of the Spirit to me. And I'll tell you why. Because some of the experiences I had earlier in life with people who were unfaithful, this is a value to me. Then, after I had those experiences maybe that were negative, God brought people in my life who were very faithful. Examples of faithfulness, who modeled it well. But even bigger than that is the importance that God's Word puts on faithfulness in His servants. Did you know that? God puts a premium on faithfulness in his servants. What does it mean to be faithful? We could say trustworthy, right? If someone's faithful, that means you can trust them. It means they're reliable. This is the idea I think about, manning your post. Do you get that picture? Manning your post. When you're told, here's your position, you man that post, you stay there. You've been given an assignment, you've been given a responsibility, and you stay with it no matter what until your assignment changes. Have you, uh, maybe if you've been in my office before, you've seen the cross stitch that someone made for me years ago. This is what it says. It says, go where you are sent, stay where you are put, and give what you have got. I love that. I think about it many times. Go where you are sent, stay where you are put, and give what you have got. You know why? Because we're all prone to do what? Give up, aren't we? And God's word says we ought to be the kind of people that go where we're sent, stay where we're put, and pour out all that we've got. But the Bible says that that is very difficult to find sometimes, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6 says this, Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Isn't that true? Isn't it hard to find somebody that you can trust? Somebody that you can leave something important with and know that it will be taken care of in your absence? How many people are there in your life that you know that if you leave something with them, it will be as important to them as it is to you? Like half a person, right? <laughs> and maybe we can't even think of one. Ask most of the employers in our area. How hard is it to find a reliable worker? How hard is it to find somebody who will show up for work every day? How hard is that? That's difficult sometimes, isn't it? How hard is it to find somebody who will do the job right whether you're standing over their shoulder or not? That's hard, isn't it? I mean, I've told my kids before, guys, listen, as you're growing up, you don't have to be super duper. You don't have to be the greatest uh, person all over. You don't have to know everything and be able to do everything just right. If you will just be reliable, if you'll just be faithful, you'll stick out above 90% of the other people because many people don't want to come to work. And when they do come to work, they only want to work as long as the boss is standing around. I used to love working in construction. Man, you'd be the boss would be gone for a couple of hours picking up some materials while we were working. Man, the guys would be just sitting around, you know. And Man, I ain't worried about him. He gets on my nerves anyway. And a lot of other things that I won't say. 
When he'd get back, hey, boss, how you doing? Man, we're just firing away here. Man, just thanks for picking up the materials. We just in time. We were just working, just need them. I'm like, you liars. <laughs> how many people could you leave your things with? How many people would you leave your house with? How many people would you hand the keys to your car? How many people would you trust with your checkbook? How many people would you trust with your family? We're talking about other people. Let's talk about us. How many people can trust me with their car? How many people can trust me with their family? With their house or whatever it might be. Can people leave you with their kind of things? Can your boss leave you with his company and trust that when he gets back, it'll be handled just like he would have handled it? Faithfulness is very important in God's Word. First of all, the Bible teaches us that God is faithful. Amen? Aren't you glad? It is one of the best things in God's Word to me. God is faithful. Though we are faithless, He is faithful. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, Faithful is He who calls you, and He will bring it to pass. You can bank on God. He will always fulfill his responsibilities he will always fulfill his assignments the things that he promises to do for you first corinthians 10 13 is another place god is faithful he will deliver you from temptation he will never leave you he will never not come through i know it's a double negative but it's for emphasis he will never not come through on his promises and commitments you can trust him aren't you glad for that I have never known anybody in my life, with the exception of my wife, who is as faithful as God. And she's not as faithful as him, but she comes close. He is always there. I will never shake him. I'll never get rid of God. I'll never get beyond his reach. He is always my Savior. I love these words. No matter what. Doesn't that describe faithfulness? No matter what. When I married, no matter what. No matter what. That's what faithfulness is, and that's who God is. But not only that, God highly values faithfulness in His servants. Now, this should be challenging to us, but also, can I encourage you? It should be encouraging to us if we serve the Lord. Challenging in this sense. When God gives me an assignment, when He sets me at my post, He expects me to stay there and man that until He gives me other instructions or until He comes back. That's faithfulness. God said, this is what I want you to do. Okay, now listen, this is, a, I think, a great kind of thing for us to, to put in the back of our minds to remember. Until you hear clearly from God again, you keep doing the last clear thing he told you to do. Okay, if you'll use that as a principle to help you. Sometimes don't storms start blowing. We start wondering. We're starting not sure. Why don't you just get along with God and say, Lord, let me just remind myself, when was the last thing you told me for sure? Let me go back to that. Let's keep doing that. If we're not sure, let's keep doing that until I know you've told me something else clearly. It should be challenging in that sense. But you know what? It's very encouraging in another sense. Listen to me. If you're serving the Lord in any way, I don't care what it is, as long as you seek to represent Him in that assignment, as long as you do what He would have you to do if He were there, It does not matter what happens. Did you hear me? You are not responsible for success. 
You are not responsible for results. I'm not responsible. If nobody ever came to this church, if nobody ever accepted Christ as their Savior, if nobody were ever baptized, now I'd start asking myself, <laughs> you know, Robbie, check yourself. Are you doing the right stuff? Are you, are you honoring the Lord? Are you being obedient to His Word? Are you, are you faithful to share? I mean, so I'd check myself. But if ultimately I could say, God, with all of my heart, I am trying to serve you as faithfully as I possibly can, I am not responsible for any results. Amen? Isn't that powerful? Parents, you're not responsible for whether your children obey God with their lives. I mean, ultimately, I'm responsible to teach them and train them, right? I'm responsible to equip them. And so, yeah, there's that responsibility. But ultimately, the decision is going to be between them and God. All I can do is be faithful. God, I've done everything that I can do with this assignment. And now, Lord, I'm going to have to entrust them to you. I'm so glad for that. That frees me up. I don't have to come through. It's not like the corporate world. God's not saying, let's see what you got. God's saying, just be faithful. Just man the post that I gave you, and I'll take care of the results. I'm an overseer. I'm a manager of his goods. Uh, the Bible calls it a steward. That's our primary job description as a servant of the Lord. The Bible says that God expects us to be his stewards. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 tells us that. It's required of a steward that he be found faithful. That's your requirement. And I believe that every true servant of the Lord wants to hear the Lord say, as Matthew 25, 21 says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that good? See those two words? Well done, good and faithful servant. Never noticed that before, have you? Good and faithful, two important words, two fruits of God's Spirit. If God is working in my life, if He's working in your life, you're going to be more and more the kind of person that people can trust. Whether it's your boss, whether it's your teacher, whether it's your friends, whether it's your church, whatever it is, people can trust you. So let me ask you, do you finish your assignments at work? When you're given something to do, if it's not something that dishonors God or that you know uh, violates your conscience before God, that you know your boss has asked you to do, are you faithful? Do you keep your commitments to your family? Are you faithful? Can people rely on you? Can they leave something with you and find you still watching it? When, wouldn't we almost be surprised if we left somebody with our stuff when we came back and they were still standing there? Wouldn't we? We so expect people to wander off and to forget about it or not to be as important as us, we'd almost be surprised if somebody was faithful. Husbands, does your wife know without a shadow of a doubt that you will remain true to her and to your marriage commitment even though you're hundreds of miles away from home on a business trip? You're man in the post. I'm here with our family, not budging. Wives, does your husband know that you will stand by his side no matter what storms he might go through in his life. All of us, can Jesus rely on us with his stuff? Can he leave us with things and when he come back, find us manning our post? You know, one of the best things to kind of put file in your mind is every day to think about this. What if Jesus came back today? It's really a great thing to think of. What if, Je what if the boss showed up? <laughs> What if the corporate executives are coming in for an examination? We're doing inventory. What if Jesus showed up today?
But he finds you faithful. Can I share something with you? You know what Jesus, you know what his prized possession is? People. Isn't that exciting? I mean, I need to keep up with my car. I don't need to not change the oil and, you know, put bad gas in it. You know, I need to take care of the stuff God's given me. But you know what? I don't really think when Jesus comes back, he's going to say, man, you just messed up that car. He might. But I think his priority is going to be, who are the people that I put in your life? I gave you a post. I gave you influence. I gave you a neighborhood. God speaks to me about this all the time. Robbie, you're so involved in ministry that you're not a good neighbor. I need to think about that, don't you? Am I man in my post? Morgan Avenue's mine. God put me there for a reason. They may or may not like it, but I'm there. <laughs> man, why do we have to get on the street with the preacher, right? <laughs> Maybe they say that about you, hopefully. What about your family? God gave me this family. I'm going to man this post. I'm going to do everything within my power to be a servant of the Lord in these children, in this husband, in this wife, my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, my brothers. God, you gave me this family, this company. You know what I hear Christians say so many times? Man, it's so hard. I'm the only Christian at my work. I say, praise God. You don't even have to wonder. That means you're the one. God put you there. God put you there. You don't have to wonder, well, there's 15 of us. I wonder who's the one that's supposed to be a witness. You're the one. Takes the guesswork out, doesn't it? Get excited about it. Say, God, it's obvious. You put me here to help others see Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's don't be obnoxious. Man, I'm just going to turn this place upside down. <laughs> but just with God's help, with the fruit of God's Spirit, which is kindness... And goodness, we're going to see gentleness, self-control, all those things. But God, help your fruit so shine in my life that the people that you've put under my influence, I'll be faithful. You know what? I really have no control. My brothers, my sisters, my aunts, my uncles, even my children come to know Christ. Ultimately, every person has to make their own decision. But God, help me to be found faithful. Is God speaking to you about his fruit working out in your life? Is there anything stopping that today? Is there a disconnect between Sunday and Monday? What's going on in your life? Is God, now you may say, well, Robbie, I read all these fruits and man, you know, I, I worked on love and then I forgot about gentleness. Or I worked on peace and man, you know, I wasn't very kind to somebody. It's hard, isn't it? So quit trying. Amen? Quit trying. What did we say? The, the works of the flesh produce nasty, ugly, right? The fruit of God, His Spirit, produces all these wonderful things, all these wonderful fruits. Many Christians today leave church saying, I've got to be nicer. I've got to be more helpful. I've got to be more faithful. You know what? No, you cannot do it. You have to... Allow Christ to do it through you. Jesus, I'm not very kind. I got a smart mouth. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> I can't change it. Lord, I, I'm kind of hypocritical, to be honest with you. I don't mean to be, but I come to church and I say and sing one thing, but man, as soon as I go to work on Monday, it just seems that a light switch goes off. Jesus, I'm trying, but I can't change it. Would you work through me? 
Christian, are you here today and you're tired of trying? Would you start trusting him to do it today?